Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. With us tonight in the Old Testament. Second Samuel. Second Samuel, chapter number fourteen. We're going to begin at uh, verse number twenty-five. Second Samuel, chapter number fourteen. As you're turning there, which is in context, Absalom was separated from David as he'd killed his brother over uh, the rape of his daughter. And and uh, that that great conflict began in in David's home. Joab was one of David's most trusted, and certainly was Absalom's as well. And Joab had conjured a thought. He had he had thought that he might be able to get Absalom and David reunited, and. Uh, so he tried that. It did work. It got uh, Absalom back into Jerusalem, uh, living not too far from, from David, but to that point they had not been reunited. We'll pick up in verse number 25. But in all Israel there was none to be so much praised as Absalom for his beauty. From the sole of his foot even to the crown of his head there was no blemish in him. When he pulled his head, I think that was cut his hair, for it was at every year's end that he pulled it because the hair was heavy on him, therefore he pulled it. He weighed the hair of his head at 200 shekels after the king's weight. And unto Absalom there were born three sons and one daughter whose name was Tamar. She was a woman of a fair countenance. So Absalom dwelt two years, two full years in Jerusalem and saw not the king's face. Therefore Absalom sent for Joab to have sent him to the king. But he would not come to him. And when he, would, when he sent again the second time, he would not come. Therefore he said unto his servants, See, Joab's field is near mine, and he hath barley there. Go and set it on fire. And Absalom's servants did set the field on fire. Then Joab arose and came to Absalom unto his house and said unto him, Wherefore have thy servants set my field on fire? Absalom answered Joab, Behold, I sent unto thee, saying, Come hither, that I may send thee to the king to say, Wherefore am I come from Jeshur? It had been good for me to have been there still. Now therefore let me see the king's face, and if there be any iniquity in me, let him kill me. So Joab came to the king and told him. When he had called for Absalom, he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed Absalom. Father, we pray that you'd open our hearts now to this truth. Help us to see what is in it for us. And Lord, in seeing that we might change, we might respond to it. We're trusting you for this, and God for the unction to share it. May your voice be clear. Father, above all others, may we hear it and obey. For we ask it in Jesus' name. 
Amen. I was listening to a message some months ago. Don't really even recall who it was, but I was on YouTube for one reason or another, and I was listening to a message, and a man made reference to an old preacher long dead and gone. His name was Mays Jackson. There's one back there that knows him, Mays Jackson. And he spoke of Mays Jackson preaching a message about God setting your fields on fire. And I knew the reference that he was referring to, and I'd read it several times, but I'd never never really just picked into it what they were speaking of. And so I I found Mays Jackson on, on YouTube. It was an old recording from probably the early 80s, maybe 70s even. And uh, he preached a message on God setting your field on fire. Uh, I've wrestled with it for months now. It just kind of stuck in my heart and and I didn't know what to do with it and, uh, until last night and God began to, to burden me for real on the subject. And um, it's fitting now, having heard the message we received this morning from the man of God, uh, this is a message I believe that's important that we recognize the timing of it. Uh, what Absalom did was he got Joab's attention. I'll let that sink in for just a moment. Sometimes we need something to get our attention. Sometimes we become indifferent to the will of God and even rebellious. We often in ourselves, and you don't have to try to do this, it's natural. We become prideful in our existence, thinking that what matters is me, my will, what I want. Joab had worked all this out and got Absalom back into Jerusalem, but he'd been there two full years and hadn't one time been in front of the king yet. Absalom's patience was gone. He wanted to work this out one way or the other. The Bible said that he sent for Joab. Joab was friends with the king. It was certainly his right-hand man. He sent his servants to Joab and asked him to come. He didn't come. He sent for a second time and asked for Joab to come to him. Joab didn't come. So he told his servants, he said, you go down there, he's got a barley field near mine. He said, set it on fire. And the servants of Absalom went down and they set on fire the field of Joab. Now that'll get your attention. When your fields go to burning around your house, when the crops that you expected to lay by for the year are on fire and wasting in front of your eyes, that'll get your attention. Mays Jackson preached a, a message. He said he had, I, I haven't heard them all, but he said he had preached at many places across the South and, and that there was a guy called him one time and was weeping and told him this story. Now, I heard this. You can hear it for yourself. But the man was a preacher. He was called to preach, and he was a worker in the church, and, and one day he got tired of it, and he quit. 
You just quit and lay down on God and give up on God and quit taking his family to the house of God. And every Sunday, his little boy would beg him to take him to church. Daddy, take us to church again. Why don't we go back to church? And he told, kept telling his son he wasn't going back to church. And then one Sunday, as he was sitting on the porch, his son threw a ball that got away from him, went out in the road, and the car come across the hill and killed the little fella. And as he ran out there, the dad ran out there and picked up his little boy and him there bleeding to death in his arms. He remembered the message. He remembered the message. And he called Major Jackson. I've thought about this. For months, I've thought about this. He called Major Jackson. Now, this was his testimony. He said, Brother Mays, God set my field on fire. I ain't got the guts to tell a man that. Everybody goes through hard things. There is no insulation from hard things in this world. I'm no prophet, and I dare not look somebody in the eye and tell them that the reason you're suffering is because of your sin. Mays Jackson didn't do that. He just preached a message that God knows how to get your attention. God knows how to get your attention. And that man buried his son knowing, according to his testimony, that it was his fault. That it took the most precious thing he had to get his attention. That was his son the junior, the one he named after himself, he took the most precious thing in his life. But he got his attention. The man repented and went back to God, went back to work for God. I'm going to ask you tonight, what will it take to get your attention? God has a way, I believe, of getting our attention. And I hope tonight that it's not something like that. I pray to God that my heart not be so hard that it takes something like that. I pray that there's nothing in my life that is so precious to me that I would harden my heart against the living God of my soul, the one that has saved me and wants to keep me and has preserved me for his sake. Pray to God it takes nothing like that to get my attention but we find in the word of God that there are many places God had to get their attention. May I remind you of the prophet Jonah? The Bible said when he had refused to do the will of God, he found himself on the boat. We know the story. The winds and the waves and the storm that God had sent to get his attention. It didn't get his attention. He didn't have Jonah's attention even after everything had been cast overboard and they had declared we're not going to make it we're going to die here and they cast lots to see whose fault it was and when the lot fell on Jonah he still he still was hard hearted and stiff necked toward God he still would not hear the word of God God wasn't done God got his attention you see They threw him overboard, and as we know, God had prepared a great fish, and he swallowed him, and down he went. Jonah's own testimony would be that out of the belly of hell cried I, 
by reason of mine affliction. I believe he thought for sure he was going to die and yet knew that until he repented, God wouldn't let him die. I believe he began to see in the belly of that fish, in the midnight of that thing's belly, in the disgusting place where he was, he began to see that God is dealing with me and I cannot get away from it. What will it take to get our attention? The man of God preached a message this morning that should have captivated every heart. It should have grasped every soul and convicted every mind. Thank God for the word. What will it take to get our attention? It took a fish at the bottom of the ocean and a disgusting and horrible and painful record of of Jonah's account in the belly of that thing. By the third day, he was done fighting God. God had his attention, and he spent him up on that bank, a chastened servant that was willing now to obey him. May I say to you tonight, I don't want God to set my fields on fire. I'd just as soon be as the prophet Jeremiah who had a fire that was burning already in my soul for the things of God, a fire that was shut up in me like a a burning, a blazing that no man could extinguish or that God would burn in us greater than the things of this world, that we would loosen our grip on the things of life and this ungodly and wicked world and grasp hold the things of God. Mm -hmm. Oh, but he must set some of our fields on fire. For we'll sit there just as Joab. We'll sit there and we'll not change. We'll sit there having received the invitation to come one time, two times. Here we find the Bible said that Absalom inquired of Joab two different times and both times he refused. He didn't even respond. He didn't go but may I say to you today, when the Holy Spirit of God begins to deal with you, listen to me, friend, the blessed, most blessed thing that we've ever had is the Spirit of God to deal with us. What a precious thought that God himself, the third part of the Godhead, would reach into my life and come to reveal unto me my sin and to bring me out of it. Yeah. Must he set our fields on fire? Sometimes the most precious thing we have is the one thing that God will use to get our attention. Now, I don't believe it has to be that way. It's only when we become so stiff-necked against God and unwilling to conform to the will of God that we'll find, friend, that God deals severely with us. But I want you to know that my God can deal severely. My God can work in the lives of men and women to awaken us in our consciences to the things of the Almighty and to put us into the work that we have been called to do. Listen, you've been saved from hell's flames. For you to sit back on God and say, I'll do what I want to, when I want to, and if I want to, is an act of rebellion against the king himself. He has every right to set our field on fire. Don't you think God has a right to do what he wants to do? How foolish are we today to sit back and think that God has no right to interfere in my business 
to deal with me in such a way. May I say to you today that according to the scripture, you are not the potter, you are the clay. You are the thing formed and the one that has formed you has done according to his will and his purpose and he can raise you up or put you down. He can form you for whatever purpose, whether honorable or dishonorable. He can do whatever he wants to do. He is the potter. You don't think he's got a right? Well, according to the scripture, the moment I got saved, I died. And he rose in me. I died to myself. I laid down myself. I traded myself for the life of Christ and the righteousness of Christ. I traded what I was. I gave up my rights as a wretched sinner and took on the rights of a child of a king. And I have been born again today. I have no right to say unto God, you can't do that to me. No, as a matter of fact, I gave all that up that day when I surrendered. I laid it all in his hands. But oh, how many times, listen, you know I'm telling the truth. How many times has tragedy struck in a place because someone was disobedient and their rebellion continued, that they were unwilling to confess their sin before God? They were unwilling to admit they were wrong. They were unwilling to swallow their pride and to be broken before God and to allow him to mend and to fix what was wrong in their lives. Listen, I serve a merciful God. Amen. He is a blessed God, a long-suffering God. He is patient and he is kind. But there is a point in my life that he will set my field on fire if I don't obey. You say, are you sure God can do that? Well, I know he can. I find instances in the Bible where God got people's attention. Some, it was too late. Some, it was on time. They changed. But for some, the damage had been done. It had been lost. But I I remember the story in the book of Daniel, how that the three had refused to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's idol. Do you remember that? He had an intent to get to Nebuchadnezzar's heart. He wanted to get Nebuchadnezzar's attention. He had built an idol and he had caused all the people to commit an abomination to worship that idol in that plain that day. And yet we find that there were three that refused to do that. May I say to you today, he was fixing to get Nebuchadnezzar's attention and he did it through Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the Bible said when they threw them in that fire that the king looked in and said, hey, was it not three that we cast into the fire? They said, yes, it was three, O king. He said, well, I see four and the fourth is likened unto the son of God. Son of man, may I say to you today, friend, God knows how to get one's attention. He got Nebuchadnezzar's attention. He got Darius's attention. He got Belshazzar's attention, but it was too late. Remember the hand that was writing on the wall? And when Belshazzar saw it, his knees began to smoke together and he trembled, seeing the words wrote on the wall, but having no idea what they meant, he got his attention, didn't he? But you know what? It was too late. 
Amen. Belshazzar had every opportunity. His father, God, got his father's attention. Amen. Pulled him off his throne, put him on all fours, eating grass out of the field, grew claws like a bird and feathers like a bird. Amen. God made him like a beast. And for seven years, he was like that. Then God raised him up. He got his attention. When he come up from there, he said, there's no God but this one. And his son, you see, Belshazzar knew. And yet he refused and rejected God. And then that night, as that hand wrote on that wall, it wrote those words that condemned Belshazzar. That very night he died. God knows how to get your attention. He set the fields of Joab on fire. He got what was precious to him. He got his attention now, I'm glad today that it's not necessary for God to take what's precious in your life. It certainly shouldn't be for you to be given attention and repentant and obedient to God in service. But friend, I want to say today that he may get your attention that way if it need be. As I thought about the New Testament and the examples in the New Testament I could think of many of the Old Testament examples and I thought to myself, well, maybe there was something about the resurrection of Christ that changed the way he did business with men. Maybe there was something about what Jesus was to do when he would come on the earth and and bring this news of life and hope. Some of you on the edge of your seat just hoping I'm going to tell you that's true. And yet what we find is that he looked in the eyes of his boldest apostle. And he said, yet this night, he said, and before the cock crows, you will have denied me thrice. There was something wrong in Peter. There was something wrong in him, you see. Note where we're going here. When there is something wrong in you, the Lord knows it. He knows it. And oh, he wants to expose it in us. He wants to reveal in our hearts those things that are wrong. We can point a finger and we can say he's not as good as so-and-so or he should have done it that way or I want to be this way. Let me tell you something. When it comes down to it, you give an account to God and God alone. And if he's called you to do something, you better do it. If he's called you to preach, you better preach. Or he'll set your field on fire. He'll set your field on fire. Peter denied the Lord. Peter didn't even know that was in him. Peter didn't have any idea that that hatefulness was in him, that that unwillingness, that cowardice was in him. He didn't know it. You ain't got any more sense than he does. Ain't none of us do. When the Holy Spirit says to do it, friend, you better do it. You better quit playing around with the things of God. You shouldn't have to set your field on fire. You needn't have to get your attention in some great and tragic way. But be sure of this. He will get your attention. You remember what happened? Peter denied him that third time. And then what did he hear? You know what got his attention? 
the alarm, the rooster, and that sucker crowed. Peter broke. And the Bible said he went out and wept bitterly. God got his attention. It only took a rooster for Peter. I ain't no more than a rooster. That's all I am. I'm just trying to sound the warning. I'm just trying to give you, Lord, a heads up on this. You better pay attention to the Spirit of God when he's talking to you. You better quit turning a deaf ear to him and a hard heart to him. You better quit looking the other way when God's trying to change you and to make you better and to make you fit for his service and this warfare that we're in. Whatever it is that God is dealing with you about in your life right now, you need to get right with God and allow him to do what he wants to do or he'll set your fields on fire. If you need God to get your attention, he can. He can get your attention. There's plenty of examples in the word of God of how God was able to to deal with men or women and to get their attention. But let me say it like this. I think you get the point. He shouldn't have to do that. You see, the shame of having to endure such hardship or tragedy is that you didn't have to go through it. What in the human heart is so rebellious to God that after saving our unworthy soul, we're still unwilling to worship and serve him? What kind of field have you got? What is it in your life? Maybe I'm preaching to the choir tonight, but you're here. Bless you. (laughs) But this applies to everybody. You see, the reason that some are not back tonight, hear me now, is because they've got a field that is more precious to them than God. Hear me. When you start putting something before God, you are setting that up to be burnt to the ground. He has been clear from the beginning. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Must he get our attention? Will we not as servants Open our heart and say, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Fix me. Are we so rebellious against God that it would take something like that before we begin to do simply what he's asked us to do? And according to the apostle, he's not asked us to do anything above our reasonable service. No, no, no. He's not asking you to do something, anything you're incapable of doing. What he's asking you to do is something you're not willing to do. And if it takes it, he can get our attention. Come get a song. There's a day coming. 
that God's going to get the attention of the whole world. It'll be too late. There's a day coming that billions of people are going to wake up on planet Earth and there's a bunch of people gone. Chaos will have ensued by then. The nightmare of those days that are worse than any other days, according to John, will have begun. God will have their attention. Some of them, God will have their attention. I wonder tonight why it is that we we try to hold on so hard to some of the things in our life that God knows we need rid of so desperately. The very things that keep us from doing what we're supposed to do with God. Why wouldn't he pull that away from me? As a matter of fact, why wouldn't I bow on my knees and open up my hands And say, God, if there's anything in my life that ain't supposed to be there, would you take it? I don't know why I wrestled with this one so much. But hear me. God can get your attention. And I've been praying that. I've been asking him to get their attention. Say, preacher, something happens to my kids. I'm going to blame you. Blame whoever you want. I don't care. I don't care. Somebody has got to tell the truth. If you don't get right with God, if they don't get right with God, if people don't get right with God, they're going to hell. If you're good with that, then you're in the wrong place. There's a God who loves them. And something has got to wake us up. Something has got to stir our souls. As the men and women of faith that have been called to a duty that is above and beyond our own existence, our flesh, God may set a field on fire. But I pray it don't take that. I pray tonight that we as the the children of God would just be obedient. Say, God, I'm tired of running from it. I know what you've told me to do. And I'm sorry I ain't done it. But I'm going to do it now. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to make a commitment to you tonight. I'm going to quit being half in and half out. I'm going to quit letting the enemy win those battles that he's been winning in my life. I'm going to quit being a part of the sin and the things of this world. Whichever one of those apply, maybe none of them. But we need to get right with God. Because I don't know about you, but I hope he don't have to set my field on fire for me to say, I hear you, I hear you, and I'll go. I'll do it. I'll do it. What about you tonight? God knows how to get my attention. And I believe he knows how to get yours. And I'm praying that in all of us, we're awakened to this truth. 
that we'll get right with God. Would you stand with us tonight? If you're here and you'd like to pray, we'll pray with you. He wants to help us tonight. He wants to help us.